Well, hello and welcome to Loving Your Garden Live with me, Rod Whiting, group founder and our resident horticulturist, John Sterling. What did I just say to David Stevens, our guest this evening? <laughs> I said, I'll leave you off the screen and bring you on like in a big entrance. And I've just completely forgotten. And there he is. I'm still there. Yeah. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, Rod. Good evening, John. Yeah. Good evening, David. Rod, so, don't forget your sponsor. Yeah, I haven't got there yet. I'll, I'll get there. I'm just getting over my initial cock up and then yeah. we'll, we'll crack on. Brilliant. So, hello and welcome to Loving Your Garden Live uh, in association with our sponsors, Fitzgerald Lane Decorators. So, we have Professor David Stevens with him. I described him, I think, in our conflab, uh, sort of talking about what we were doing tonight, as uh, one of the UK's most decorated garden designers. Uh, which makes him sound like a war hero. Um, I mean, <laughs> David, I don't know. You, you perhaps are. I, 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 forgive me. I, I tell you what, when you go to some of these flower shows building gardens, it is <laughs> it is a bit like the Battle of the Somme, I tell you. But it all, it's always all right on the night. So uh, that's a fair description. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've certainly done your time in the trenches, so to speak. <laughs> uh, some of those ah, John's the digger. John's the man that turns <laughs> a spade well. So oh, yes. Teach Marsh gave me that name. <laughs> anyway, it's great to, to have you with us, David. Um, I've been looking at uh, a few of the projects that new members have been proudly displaying mm. on the site, and some of them are quite stunning. Uh, but, mm. but I've also seen a few comments from people saying, look, here's my garden or my daughter's garden that she's just moved into. Where do we even start? And I thought it would be great to narrow the gap between the achievers and the aspirational with a few pointers from one of the best in the business but having said that david by way of introduction to those who don't know you shall we give them a flavor uh, how how many gardens would you say you've designed down the years we, we were chatting about this the other day and uh, it's over 50 years now since we started off and uh, it's uh, i'm still going strong i love it well, i couldn't do that <laughs> really. but um no i've lost count i have to say but uh, most of them i suppose for the last 20 years are now on digital um, capture. So I can look back over those designs. And if you scroll through, there's a heck of a lot of them really are. But it's wonderful to look back over your work and see how it's possibly progressed and the different angles that mm. you've taken. And, and gardens do change over the years. And, and, and John will know, so does so do plants. And the fashion's always a dangerous enemy. Don't, don't be a slave to fashion, but do be aware that new plants do come onto the market. Uh, they are available at nurseries and uh, it's well worth looking at them and experimenting with them too because we all know the climate is starting to change um hot hot summers and mm -hmm. milder winters uh, but i'll tell you what sooner or later we're going to have a really really john will know this a really really vicious winter and i tell the nurse i'm going to rub their hands together because they're going to have <laughs> terrific sales the next season it'll be this winter won't it when all the lights are going out yeah, because of, of the energy problem. Yeah. What about your biggest project, uh, David? What would you? How would you describe your well, biggest project? Um, the, the biggest one to date is probably not that uh, not that long ago. I did a beautiful garden down just south of Bristol in the uh, in the Quantocks. Lovely clients. I mean, they owned as far as you could see, just about, but you wouldn't know it because they were like good. All good gardeners, really down to earth. She kindly got in touch. She read a couple of my books and said, could I come and have a look? And I did. And it went from there. And it's it's a big garden. It goes all the way around the house. So we had a huge amount of excavation to do. Um, she wanted uh, a water staircase, which is 
pretty unusual. You don't get to do too many of those. So we put a wonderful water staircase in, long pond, pleached walks. Fashion is a bit of a dangerous enemy and everybody's onto the perennials and grasses. But I'm still firmly believe that mixed borders really are important. So we did wonderful mixed borders in this garden with a background or a backbone of shrubs, then weaving in the herbaceous plants and uh, ground covers, of course, underneath that. And three years on now, it's about three years ago, it is looking absolutely superb. Um, I won't say the budget figure for it, but it was well into six figures and quite high six figures mm. of that. And it wasn't overpriced. I mean, that was just what it cost. And they appreciated that. And they, the family loved the garden. And I think that's, well, the site's called Loving Your Garden, your site, your wonderful <laughs> site now with 20,000 members. And that is honestly what it's all about. Because if you don't love a garden, it will never thrive. And as clients, they understand that. She never leaves the place. She's got about five dogs, no cats, of course. Um, but it's it's a wonderful place for the family. And it's just mm. growing exponentially it's just getting better year on year and i think that's partly down to the clients hopefully part of it's down to the design as well but that's certainly the biggest one rod i've been doing certainly for a long time um although i have worked really all over the world which is which is a privilege it's a privilege to be with god wasn't the last water staircase you did with chatsworth <laughs> you know, that's, that was my granddad. <laughs> that was your granddad. Oh, that was my granddad. That was. He was a good old boy. He knew a thing or two about water. Yeah. <laughs> David, my garden is long and narrow, and it's wooden fences. Yes. And what I've done is to attach trellis so that I can grow stuff up the at the yes. back of the border and then I've got mixed borders in front and what I do in certain places I put hooks and hook the trellis on so that if I need to paint the fence or whatever creosote it or whatever you call it now I can un unhook it and you know get to it and then hook back a lot of gardens now basically are fences round aren't they and I wondered what you yep. could suggest to people to actually, you know, deal with a with a fence. Yeah, I mean, in a small garden and some of the London town gardens I do, um, in fact, the area of the walls is greater than the floor. So yes. and people tend to forget that. Uh, but walls are a wonderful vehicle, not just for climbing plants, but for, you know, you can have fun in a garden. In a town garden, you can you know, hang old picture frames on the wall climb plants through the picture frames. You can um, have, use water features on a wall that could be cascading down into a trough or into a pool below. Um, you know, you can build in seating against a wall. It's, I mean, with a tiny garden, with a small garden, you know, I know it's a cliche now, but they are little outside rooms and you can deal them as such and they will work with that. But don't forget that, you know, you use overhead beams that in that way you're actually creating a ceiling. You can bring climbers over that for dappled shade. Mm. There are so many things you can do um, on walls, on fences. Um, and again, with the changing climate, the things you can grow on fences now are wonderful. Kiwi fruits, you know, actinidia, um, passion flower uh, tracleus spermums and that's one that we never used yeah. to get in the old days was it um all of those kind of really good tender sun loving climbers thrive in a in a, a small garden they really do just looking at the other angle if you've got a hedge that can be a little bit bigger problem can't it because the hedge is taking water in this weather particularly you know you have a border in front 
there's negatives and positives. I mean, I'm firmly and more and more over the years, I've become aware of biodiversity and birds and nesting places. Yes. Hedges, of course, are essential for nesting birds. And you've got to be careful, of course, then when you start to clip the hedge, you've got to do that after the birds have, have fledged and gone. Again, it depends on the variety of the hedge, doesn't it? I mean, some things obviously are gross feeders. And I know we all go on about Lelandii, and it, it is a gross feeder. If you have it as a hedge, keep it within goodness within mm -hmm. two meters um taper it so it's narrow at the top and wider at the bottom and feed the flipping thing because it will take a huge amount of moisture yes and, um, and, and nourishment from the ground mulch around it to try and retain the moisture as well all of those things help and mulches of course but as you know john in this weather are absolutely essential to yeah. hold some of the moisture in the ground and uh, prevent it from drying out and yeah. that'll that'll benefit the plants all the way down the line Okay, I uh, just want to say a quick hello to Thomas Gustafsson, who's listening in from Sweden. Uh, very international feel tonight. So we've also got uh, Miriam Tichelar. I, I hope I've pronounced that right. I probably haven't. Uh, now, she is the subject of, um, if you like, our case study uh, right. tonight. Uh, it was her, actually her garden or her project that made me really think about uh, you as a, as a guest, David, because I think it's a wonderful basis um, for a discussion around some of the, the, the points that we'll see. So what I'm going to do with your permission, and th this is Miriam's garden, by the way, who's, who's listening in. Let me just add these photographs here. So this is the start. Yeah, it's a super garden. I mean, it's I saw these when it first came up on the site, and um, yeah. it's it's an impressive piece of work, I have to say, because there's a lot of work in this garden. They've been bold, they've worked out. I mean, it's good to go. I'll, maybe I'll go through the sequence of garden planning later, but to have a decent budget and to have in mind, you know, that it is going to cost a reasonable amount to do this sort of work. Um, but then to plan it sensibly over a period of time and they've worked wonders. I'm not quite sure how big the garden is. Maybe, maybe um, a good lady could tell us that. Miriam, could you just uh, let us know roughly how big the garden is and uh, just send me a quick message and we'll, uh, that, that would be helpful. Thank you. Sorry, David, I interrupted. No, that's all right. And again, looking, remember, looking back over the, the pics that she kindly sent in, there's all sorts of different areas and different habitats. Habitats. She's got water, there's paving. I know there's a lovely little garden building that they, well, it's actually a small Well, we'll come building. to that, actually. All right, just... okay. I think for this sort of work, they're, they're doing so much that a, a mini digger like that is an essential piece of equipment. Um, you can either hire them or you can use them yourself. It takes a bit of practice to get the thing, you know, working properly. It really does. But they can shift an awful lot of material. It's great fun. Great, great fun. Um, <laughs> you know, with a spade, it's going to take an awful, or a shovel, it's going to take an awful lot longer. So they are very much a labour-saving device and used in the right hands. They can be absolutely wonderful. It looks, the chappy on there looks very confident because if I was sitting on there and the way it's facing, I know where I'd be. <laughs> Especially if I was driving it. <laughs> yeah. Something else, just looking at that photograph, um, what they've done, they, they've dug a good-sized pool. Far too many people aren't brave enough. I know John's put one into his garden. That tends to, that looks like it's thriving now. Um, oh, look, at the, is, yeah. look at the reflections in it. People, ref, people forget um, how useful water is to... Uh 
bring the sky into the garden. Look at the reflection of the trees as well. Wonderful. Uh, that's a still pond, but you could have a, a bubble fountain there, which would just ripple the surface. Obviously, later on, they'll plant with, um, uh, put aquatics in, oxygenators in, uh, and probably fish as well, because then you get that balance of pond life. Uh, and if you do that, uh, newts will come in, frogs, tadpoles, toads, um, and birds and bees and all the insect life will uh, will flourish. It is mm. important, John knows this, I think you've done it, I think, John, and yours, to have a beach. And then you can, um, invertebrates yep. can get in and out easily. And it really, really is important. Otherwise, the poor little devils get in there and they can't get out again. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I've Good got a, I've got a little beach where the birds can um, bathe as well. Yes, perfect. Yeah, the reason I've stuck on here, and for the benefit of people who are listening on the podcast, uh, I've, there's a picture of a quite a large pond here. And, and the reason I put this on is because there is using... Uh, a th well, I call it a thwacker. Um, there's probably a technical <laughs> term for it. You can get this kit relatively cheap. You can hire these machines, and they do save you so much time. They do good. Uh, called a um, um, plate vibrator for the for the for the them Thank that you. know. <laughs> In the background, presumably he's going to be putting a paved area over there. He's compacting the ground, so certainly for doing something over there. If you use one of those, they vibrate. And for about an hour after using it, it's like you've had an electric <laughs> shock. You're tingling up and down. <laughs> but uh, they are okay. a good machine. I mean, here's so, something else really interesting what? that, you know, they, they put the trenches in it, whether that's a drain or whether that's for cables. Always think about getting your services in um, if you're laying or designing or building a garden before you start to get the paving and the other surfaces down. It's so important. If you forget it, you're going to lift your paving, uh, dig your trench, get your mm. cables in. So get all the groundworks uh, done first. And it really comes back to what gardens and garden design is all about. It's a sequential process, and you need to go through all these stages to get each one right before you get on to the next stage. It really, really is important. Okay. Uh, well, it is for cables, as you can see there here. There's, yep. there's yep. your cable. Uh, I think that's a power cable that's going under there. Looks like an armoured cable too. Again, yeah. Don't, yeah. don't mess about with electricity in the garden. Always use an electrician. Uh, I mean, I'm a professional and I, I will always use a qualified electrician. In fact, we had our electrician in Rob yesterday because I'm I'm doing garden lighting this winter and he's going to lay the cables, get all the cables in. But it's got to be armoured cable. It's got to be laid properly. Um, never mess. Always get never mess with electricity. Get a professional in to do it. Absolutely. Okay. Now, this is, Ooh, yeah. you were quite right. That's what the yep. vibrating plate that was is. for. We've, we're yep. looking out at a picture of some slabs going down. And look how flat that is after that machine's been on it. And it probably didn't take him very long with that machine. No, uh, it wouldn't do. I mean, area. And again, preparation is 90% mm. of the job. Um, John, remember, we did a garden at Gardener's World uh, last year. Uh, what It was called What Lies Beneath, because so many people forget about all the preparation work that needs to go in um, before you use or place that top surface. And so many people don't realise, you know, you need a sub-base, it's got to be compacted, then you've got to blind that off with a, uh, a sand or, or a gravel. Uh, then you've got, normally we lay, lay paving on a continuous bed of more. Water. spot bedding eventually breaks down and, and the slabs will start to move so it is you know it's quite a lengthy process but if you get it right then it will last a lifetime miriam says it's 400 meters squared uh, well that's a reasonable size that's a good sized garden isn't it and yeah it's, it's big enough to do you know 
all of the things that you really want with careful careful planning. And they've obviously thought about it so much because you can see the various yeah. areas um, and I'm sure they've planned it with in relation to sun and shade and how the sun, sun swings across the garden. Um, think about prevailing winds and all these things, frost pockets and microclimate. And that's part of that essential process of, of what you do before you even put pen to paper. It's check everything out that you've got. I mean, I always say to people, Take a year before you replant a garden. Uh, look at the turning of the seasons. The sun pitches higher in the summer and lower in the winter. The shadow patterns change. You know, where do the prevailing wind come from, which normally will be for 250 days out of, sea, 365? Look at that lovely garden building going up there. That's, of course, that's where that paved area is, Rod, isn't it? So that's Yes, uh, that's, that was the base, base for, for the lovely. timber construction and uh, again um, that's a, pine. a good piece of carpentry isn't it or joinery even it's a nice mm, building yeah, really going yeah, well well I'd rather, see rather look it... out over the pool <laughs> it's actually looks look like a, that. i wonder look if they play that. cricket it's a bit of yeah, i was going to well, say it, that's what it, it, like it the does it pavilion. looks just like a cricket pavilion yes. <laughs> that's tea and that's tea and sandwiches in the afternoon then isn't yes, it yes absolutely well, i think that <laughs> to be fair, the Dutch do have a cricket team, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah. And it looks like there's on the one side, it may be an office or an enclosed space, and then you've got the veranda outside. And verandas are wonderful because, you know, you're sitting outside, but you're in the shelter. So if it does rain, it doesn't matter too much. But uh, what a cracking little building that is. And it, it looks out over the garden. It looks out over the pool. So you're going to be getting those reflections. And I love that background of, of trees. In the, oh, well, I, I was just looking at those, David, and thinking, whoa, what could we do in – what could we do? doing there because i mean the dutch you look at kokenhoff kokenhoff is a wood isn't it, it basically is. it is absolutely, a wood absolutely lovely and the thing yeah. there that looks um, looks like those are outside the boundaries of the garden so what you're really doing is borrowing the landscape and you're bringing that almost back and into mm. your garden visually so in that sort of situations you don't want high walls or high fences you almost want to let that view drift out if you can use you know, a wire fence or a chain link fence or a low fence. I and mean, you've got low fences in your garden, John, haven't you? Certainly divided yes. the spaces up. Then you can capture that view from further away, bring it back into your garden. That is literally borrowed landscape. You're making your garden feel bigger. And that's a really useful thing to do. It is a lovely, lovely building. Uh, speaking from experience, just picking up on what you said before, David, um, w when you're putting an outbuilding in, getting that power in uh, and professionally done is so important and I, I did at least get that bit right what I didn't get right was getting proper insulation into the building I had insulation in the roof I didn't have it on the floor underneath yeah, which is in floor is almost more important because you know you've absolutely got, yep yeah really and is. I have to frostbite to prove it <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! We learn from our mistakes. <laughs> we do. It's, it does so, take a bit longer, but you, you never forget after that, though, do you? That's once, uh, once done, never forgotten. Oh, so we've we done go. we've done the basic works. We've got yep. the the, uh, the infrastructure in. We've thought we've thought thoroughly about where we're going to put things, how we're going to use the garden, uh, and water features, all of that sort of stuff. Now we've got to get down to the plants. And you can see yes. here, I'm putting up a picture of uh, some of Miriam's car. Uh, it's an estate <laughs> and the back door's open and you can't see anything else in the car because it's just full of plants. We've all done this. We love this bit, don't we? It's, uh, yeah. Oh God. <laughs> the, the only thing you've got to watch is on the first fine day of spring, what happens? 
people get in the car, they bowl off down to the local nursery or garden centre and they go on a binge of random purchases. And they get them all back home and they wonder where the heck to put it all. You know, there's nothing wrong with any of the individual items they may have bought. But for goodness sake, you know, do work out where things are going to go before you actually get them. Um, yes. in, term, in terms of planting, and again, you know, we all know this, um, do check your soil. Is it acid? Is it alkaline? Is it heavy? Mm. Is it light? Um, people say, oh, I've got heavy clay soil. Well, in, in many ways, that's a good thing to have because it's the most fertile mm. soil. It holds the chemicals. So the more organic material you can dig into it, the better. <laughs> Compost, well-rotted manure, obviously. Jeff Hamilton, bless him, who was a, a good friend, you know, way back at Barnsdale when we used to do Gardeners World there, was the first organic gardener, and, and he proved it. Um, it he went totally... Um, peat free and the garden or the soil at Barnsdale was rubbish when he moved in but now it's that wonderful stuff called loam mm. it just runs yeah. through your fingers the other thing to remember David as well is that you've got four seasons exactly. you, you can go yes. out in spring and end up with a garden full yeah. of, that's wonderful in spring yeah. and then it yeah. loses it slowly yeah. over the year yeah. to be to be honest anybody could have a good looking garden in June you know it's, yeah. it's from now yeah. onwards that's the difficult bit, isn't it, really? Yeah. Yes. But there's plenty yes. of things you can use, tons of things, to be honest. Um, and uh, there is so much online now. You can you can literally put on, you know, you can tap in uh, plants for autumn, seasonal plants, plants for winter. It's all there for you. Then you've got to do a bit of homework. But tell you another thing. Please read the flipping labels on plants. <laughs> Honestly, at least it will give you the basics. Otherwise, it's going to grow eight meters high, four meters across, and it's twice the size of your front garden. You know, just do the basics. Honestly, it, it helps. <laughs> uh, Miriam's just put. You probably see that um, she says we had a plant plan. She said, no, Miriam, we weren't talking yeah. about you. We were talking no, no, about no. the mistakes that people generally make. We we guessed you would get a proper plant plan. Yeah, and that, yeah, that you're is going to spend that much money on a project. Yeah, no, and it it really does work. Um, another thing, and if you a lot of because I do quite a lot of teaching, uh, the first mistake that a lot of students make are underestimating the size of plants. Uh, they'll do a planting plan, which is great, but they put far too many plants in um, and they forget that these things grow. And the better your soil, the bigger they will grow. I mean, I planted my garden or a lot of my garden this spring with good old Rob from Rosie Hardy. We had um, Rob on, didn't we, at Beaver Castle on the yes. board there. And they grow, they've grown like fun. And I've got them in the right distance, but I'm going to have to do a bit of thinning in the winter. It's amazing. Even... You know, even though being in the trade for a long time, don't underestimate the size that plants will grow. And have got borders big enough. Don't be afraid of a big border. Um, yeah. Some of my borders are, what, four metres deep? And when you think a shrub can easily grow to four metres wide, yeah, yeah. it'll fill yeah. up. It really will. So don't be afraid of big borders. If you, you can always tell a good gardener, I'll tell you what, you're, you're, I bet your new garden, John's going to be doing this, the lawns will get slowly smaller. <laughs> yes. I'm, yes. Not not much. <laughs> I'm still getting rid of the turf that I dug out <laughs> over winter uh, in my little green bin. There's another few bits. Oh, Rod, Rod. Yeah. Stack it up in the garden, yep. upside Just down, and it's that. made yeah, I've done fantastic that. I've done all that. soil. Oh, that's yeah. good. That's Turn good. It upside you put down. it in your bin. <laughs> yeah. Turn it yeah, upside down, and it, it, yeah. it, it was so much most, of it. Yeah, it produces the most wonderful topsoil it once does. it's broken down. Lovely. Okay. How many gold medals, RHS golds, have you got now, David? I've, I've, um, is it 18? 11, 11, 11 at Chelsea. 
Yeah. Um, I think four at Hampton Court and then various others at Tatton. We've done some and Gardner's World, obviously. But then okay. Gardner's World is not RHS. And they actually, I think it's very good to have some shows that aren't RHS. Yes. Not necessarily yeah, RHS. Yeah. But yeah. Um, Gardner's World has a totally different kind of philosophy, I think. Um, it's kind of more freewheeling. It's um, they have these wonderful um, borders, don't they? John's been yeah. down. They have these yes. borders, and this year I think can't remember how many there were, but they were. A lot, I, I helped judge them this year, and they were fantastic. And it gets people started off, doesn't it? Um, and yeah. it was same at Beaver Castle on a smaller scale, but um, old um, Andy Tubber is doing a good job at Beaver, and he's getting youngsters yeah. in to do borders and all these sorts of things. And these smaller shows, I think, have got a real job to do, and, and they inspire people. Where people can't or wouldn't be able to get into Chelsea, they can cut their teeth on some of these smaller shows. And and, and John yeah. and I were there, and you were there, Rod, as well. And we yeah. just go around and chat to people, and they really appreciate a bit of feedback and a bit of knowledge from us old so-and-sos. <laughs> well, it's funny. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. I, I um, The winner that you chose, Michelle McDonnell. That's it, was. yeah. And uh, she said, in fact, I'm hoping she's going to come on as a guest at some point in uh, in a month or so's time. But um, I actually emailed her and said, you know, it'd be lovely to to hear from a younger designer. Uh, and she says, I've been doing this 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, but compared to us, you're a teenager. So I'm not sure which yeah. is more insulting. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, Cover exactly. your tracks fairly fast. Yeah. You, say, oh, you yeah. look so young, though. <laughs> yeah, but she was a lovely anyway. lady. And she yeah, was a absolutely. she had a Great good eye for well. plants. Yeah, she was a really clever plants lady. Yeah, yeah, David, can I just go back to when you first started? You said, "Remember that new plants are coming all the time." A great place to go and find something a little bit different from perhaps a garden centre is the plant fairs. You know, Indeed, you can go. Yeah. Yes, or. Uh, uh, Plant fair. I'll tell you where it's also wonderful to go to. Um, the gardens on the National Garden National Scheme. National Garden Scheme, yeah. Because they're, a lot of the owners there, um, they are, they're real gardens. Do you know what I mean? They're people yes. who understand their garden inside out. Um, they'll often have quite unusual, sometimes rare plants, and they usually have a plant store. And the prices are very competitive, and very often the money will go to a local charity. They'll have great cream teas, and it's a, it's a win-win situation <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, it really is. Absolutely. Let's move on. Now we're planting. And I think you've right. already said, David, to getting the spacing right is, is hugely exactly. challenging. And the better the quality, good soil equals good plants. It really do. You can't emphasize that enough. And the more organic material you can get in that ground before you plant, honestly, the better things will grow away. Um, but as well, you know, just check it, as we said, acid alkaline uh, is very important. Uh, and just do that with a, a, a simple, I mean, people have these soil test meters, designers have, and they go around the garden wisely prodding the soil with this thing. I still like the old ones, it's just like a litmus paper test, isn't it? You just get a, a little file, you you put your soil in a bit of water, shake it up, and it changes colour depending on the on the, the little paper you put in it. And they, they get it right. You look on the back, they've normally got lists of plants that are suitable for the particular kind of soil that you've got. Um, but do check, and always check it in three or four different places in the garden because the soil can vary, particularly if it's new build, the garden... Uh, may well have had uh, soil imported by the builder hopefully hasn't covered up all the hardcore and rubble not always um but the soil close to the house could be totally different um, ph from the soil at the bottom of the garden so do check it in various places 
looking at that bank, David, it looks as though some of those trees actually are in their garden and they've had them thinned, which yep. is a great idea because um and then they've obviously planted underplanted. So that's going to look fantastic. You've got a canopy exactly um, uh, understory and then a field layer haven't you yeah you've got yeah. your different habitats haven't you so yes absolutely totally kinds of planting i mean woodland planting i've got my magnolia and underneath that is dense well dappled shade dense in places but there are so many things you can plant hellebores you've got to have in yeah <laughs> um, there are some lovely new varieties of dead nettle oh, Amy, yeah really really nice ones and that just romps around and you know it's it's and people say oh it's too rampant just take a spade to it if it's too rampant and people are afraid to dig things out but that's fine just take just get to grips with the things um ferns i've got some lovely ferns in those sort of areas here's a lovely another lovely border well that's a great example of what you're saying about be bold with your border isn't it i mean look at that i think a good deep border and that's look there's the shrub planting in there which is going to bulk up and that's going to look super isn't it really can really will look great i think tell you something else have your paths as i have there wide enough you know you need Mm -hmm. if you a good good garden you need to be able to get around with a barrow you need to be able to turn with a barrow that's very often people do a right angled corner and you're jiggling around like doing a three-point turn to get your barrow out and if you've got something heavy in the barrow that'll tip over (laughs) 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 yet it always happens doesn't it (laughs) a lot of garden design is about practicality and think mm. about those things as when or well, before you lay the garden out. So decent-sized paths, uh, corners that you can actually go around. It's the framework, and then the plants bring that alive. So get the spaces right first, and then let the plants fill those spaces, bring it alive, bring in the colour of the interest, uh, and that's that's really the way to it's, As I said, it's a sequential business, really, really is. Yeah, this is a different view. You can see, look at all of this uh, brick brickwork, well, stonework we've got here. Yeah, it's absolutely nice. gorgeous. Really nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a good. Look at that, lovely. Look, Ooh. evening time, lighting, garden lighting again. It brings another. Look at the reflections in the pool of the garden. Yes, light. yes, you can see oh, that, yeah. can't you? Yeah. Um, and again, those um, the trees in the background looks like there's a bit of um, evening sun pitching in over the back there, lighting the stems almost of the trees, isn't it? Lovely. Yes. Really is good, but uh, yes, starting to mature nicely, isn't it? And it it doesn't take long. It only takes a couple of seasons, really, to get it looking pretty mature and start to fatten up nicely. Uh, lighting, this is another thing, isn't it? It's a bit like plants, really, where some you know, the sort of mistakes that I was making still do of getting a mixture of plants of all sorts without really necessarily thinking about the effect that I'm trying to create, particularly in terms of. A balance of color etc but you can do the same make the same mistake with lighting you go down to the, the garden center you see all these different sorts of lights and you end up with a mishmash of different lighting effects yeah when i mean if you keep it simple that's very classy isn't it exactly and it is classy almost invariably white light is the best light yes and don't totally i mean you could go and get i mean i've seen people it makes you cringe a bit in a, in a pond having these sort of rotating holographic oh. displays of you know it's it's not good you, you know you do get a migraine pretty often with that so as rod says keep it simple and light 
the garden as well as the building. So you can very subtly use uplighters under trees, and then you you literally um, bring out all of the, the yes. rippling in the bark or up, uplighting on a building as well. See in the back there of the pavilion, they've uplighted and downlighted that, and that will em emphasize the boards. And uh, so and think uh, you don't need if you're lighting a path, have low level lighting. You don't need a flipping great lamp stand that lights the top of your head. You need the lighting down where you've. We do need it where your feet are going. Same with steps. Uh, recess the lighting back into the tread so it casts light out over the treads. And you can you can make it so subtle and so interesting. But Rod's right, don't overdo it, basically. That's the yeah. prime rule. Keep it simple. <laughs> but the garden is for enjoyment and relaxation as well. Um, people tend to forget that. It's, it's, I... it's a place it to enjoy, really is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I love sitting by the pond and it's crystal clear. Yep. And you and the whirligig beetles are going round on the surface, and Especially. you look in, and the diving beetles come up to the surface. Oh, I, I, any garden now has got to have water, a pond in it for me. I've got one of these big cotton steel bowls. Yeah, oh yes, one, one, I saw that. One point two, one point two across, um, and the, the birds know it now, and they literally come down and land on the edge. And then they can drink, and the, the, the blackbirds get in. And I put rocks in it as well, so that they'll get in. They'll flap about. The blackbirds love bathing it. With a developing garden like that, you can always between the shrubs and some of the perennials, you can always uh, work in annuals, which will just bulk it up, bring in some instant colour. And as the garden knits together, you will start to take those out and let uh, the plants that you've got on your planting plan um, come together. But uh, don't, don't don't forget annuals in this sort of a, a situation. They can be really useful for filling those initial gaps and bringing that um, instant colour in. I'll put this up, not, not to show the plant so much as the sculpture, because I know you said, David, you never tell people what the sculptures to put in the garden. Yep, you, yep. you think that's a personal thing. Well, it is, isn't it? I mean, I've got a lot of them, which I've collected over the years, and it's interesting. So we've moved to our new garden, and it's now reciting them in the best place and all the most suitable place as well, which is real fun. And that takes a while. You need to think about where you're seeing it from, the sight lines, how big it is. Is it going to be in sun or shade? But it's a, it is a personal business. And I always say to clients, you know, I'll, I'll say where I think a statue should go. But I'll say, now you go out and buy what you want, something that's personal to you. And very often ornaments like that bring back memories. Or they'll say, oh, I remember where we got that. We were on holiday down in wherever it was mm -hmm. or, you know, it was the local garden centre or whatever. But things like statues – definitely bring back memories and that's a lovely thing to do really really is look at the, uh, oh, the growth okay. we've got now this is yeah. really coming on isn't Super. it isn't it yeah and the containers as well david look at those yes absolutely containers yeah and the to be honest the bigger the pot the better because you get a cooler root run don't have yeah. to do it again in this sort of weather um you know you, things dry out so quickly don't they um, but, you know, big pots, you can grow nearly anything in a big pot. I mean, we've grown, you know, big plants. I mean, you can grow big aces in pots. Aces love pots. Mm. They really do. They'll grow very well in pots. Um, so as long as you feed and as long as you keep things moist, they're absolutely fine. I've got an acer, acer palmatum dissectum. It's been in a pot for, well, I think, 17, 18 years yep. now. Looking great this year. Really is. Yeah, red, red one or the, uh, or the green one? 
mine's a it's a reddish leaf purple, purple but, one, yeah. yes but it's underneath it's growing underneath a wisteria a freestanding wisteria oh, so it's protected wisteria. from the sun yeah protected from the sun it's loving it because they're an edge of woodland plant aren't they really yes that's like. yes. apple yeah. shade that'll be perfect now that looks like my, one of my favorite hydrangeas could be aspera or something like that quirkifolia or one of them yeah 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 i've got quirkifolia as well that's a nice one yeah. isn't it? lovely uh, sargentia yeah. is another like, big one yeah talking about um introductions and new plants i've got a not cut catalog which i had I suppose pretty much when I left college um, and you look through that and I'm not saying the varieties are limited because not cuts are always a huge nursery, but there are so many new plants now that aren't even included in those sort of catalogs. So in what, 40 years, it's been a huge change in the, the availability and the variety of plants mm. we can actually put into the garden. It's interesting. Oh, right. Well, thank you to Miriam uh, for yeah, letting us fabulous. Yeah, absolutely. And that garden will only go from strength to strength. It really will. And if if you're a gardener like Miriam, and she's obviously a good horticulturist, and and you can tell she loves her garden, doesn't she? And that, and that's the secret to it. It really, really is. So that garden, it will without a doubt just get better and better as years go by. Perfect. Well, David, uh, that's fantastic. Uh, it is. Always a pleasure. <laughs> always a pleasure to have your now, company. Fun. One thing I do say, and I know this one or two people have artificial artificial turf on their lawn, um, and I've just written a paper on, on biodiversity and sustainability. Um, but just be aware that artificial turf is completely sterile and everything underneath it will be sterile. There is no life at all underneath it. And I know it has certain advantages for, for lower maintenance, but in this weather, it heats up amazingly. I mean, it gets really, really hot underfoot. It's, it is not an environmentally friendly material. No. And all I'm saying is think before you put it down. Uh, one thing we grow in this country very well is grass. You go to any other part of the world and it is burnt out. Okay, ours is in this weather, but you can't kill grass. Uh, and we grow it very well. And grass has its own ecosystem. It is full of insects and plants. And we have left or lost, I think, something like 40% of insect life over 50 years in this country. It's appalling. It really, really is. And it, these things are things that we need honestly to think about if we're going to get through this sort of you know, environmental crisis that we're actually in. So do think about it. As we heard from, from Guy, uh, our um, uh, lawn specialist, uh, from Johnson's Johnson Seeds, John. Remember, we had him as a guest earlier in yep. the year. You know, they are working on new varieties of of uh, lawn seed all the time, and and there is there are quite a few very slow growing varieties now. So that if if maintenance is an issue, uh, there there is a, a, a lawn seed out there that that will be very easy to use. Don't be too precious about your lawn. You know, a, a lawn with no daisies in it is a sad place. You know, if you've got kids or grandchildren, not being able to make a daisy chain is almost iniquitous, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> lawns, and I know people go on about Speedwell. Speedwell is, is so delicate, you know? Um, yeah. I know Martin Fish is probably gnashing his teeth if he's listening to this. Bless him. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
Oh, Gentlemen, dear. thank you very much indeed. I just want to finish by thanking our sponsors, if I may. And uh, thanks to sponsors Fitzgerald Lane Decorators for a free quote and advice on any project. If you go to their Facebook group, Fitzgerald Lane Decorators, that's L-A-I-N-G, and uh, they will uh, provide you with advice, uh, quotes, etc. Uh, and it will cost you not a penny. Until, of course, you get the work done. Uh, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed our <laughs> podcast, please subscribe and tell your gardening friends about us. Check out our Loving Your Garden Facebook group. Be inspired by our friendly and knowledgeable members. Until next time, bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 <laughs>